Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? How about you, what the fuckish? That would be for British people. What the fucking avians? What the fucking Eastas? Haven't done that in a while. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Killer Bees is on the show today. This is an interesting story. Ah, let me talk about this cat. I don't know what to do with this cat. I think it it says something about me, though. This black and white cat that's been hanging around for years, who I've talked about, who I've spoken to. It's a female cat I've I've come to know. But she, I can't touch her. She's a long-haired, black-and-white, feral cat. She's been coming around a long time, very entitled, eats all my good food. I have a very tense... I've talked about my relationship with this cat. She annoys me, okay? And that's it was a, it was a difficult relationship between her and I. And now there's something wrong with her. I don't know what the hell to do about it. I called the ASPCA. I called up the animal control... They told me that I needed a permit to trap a cat, which is ridiculous. I could just go get a trap. I don't have a trap right now. I thought maybe being this sort of, I'm trying to detach from it or at least make it easier for myself. Could someone just come and pick up this cat because it's sick? It doesn't look like it has much longer. But then now I'm outside. I'm looking at it. It's got clumps of hair coming off. It's all dirty, but it's eating so I spent some time with her out there today trying to talk to her and, uh, you know, we're okay, but I, I think she's dying. So I don't know. I'm going to have to trap this cat. I, I, this is weird. I have this shitty relationship and now when she's all fragile and fucked up and still doesn't want to deal with me, I've got to take care of her and I've got to do something about it. I feel awful. So now I've, I'm getting up my mind focused to trap this cat tomorrow. Because I can't turn my back on the cat. I got to trap it with the equipment I have. Because I could go out and buy a trap, but then I'll have a trap. And I there's there's no way to trap animals around here. I can't leave it open at night. It could trap boomer. could trap a skunk, which I don't want to wake up to. could trap raccoons, a possum. Who the fuck knows? I've got to figure out a way to coax this cat into a cage. Because I'm not putting the leather gloves on. I'm not going to freak the cat out. I don't know how fragile it is. But something's wrong with it. I'm just sort of struggling over this cat. I'm questioning my own integrity as a person, the quality of my humanity, that where I've had a, a difficult relationship with this cat, and then my first instinct was, could someone just come pick it up and get rid of it? And then I realized, oh, I love this cat because it's been coming around a long time, and I understand her. Now she's in trouble, and I have to take care of her on my own. I have to deal with this myself. I'm I'm weird with that, I guess, with strays. I don't know. It, even with Killer Bees, the guy who's on the show today, it's very odd. I've been doing comedy a long time, and I started in comedy clubs years ago, and this guy's picture was always on the wall at every club, Killer Bees, and I'd never seen him. I'd never really even, I never knew what he did. I always thought the, the name was ridiculous, and then I started to pick up bits and pieces about him. Well, he's a Southern act. What does that mean? He's a regional guy. He only works the South. What does that mean? Is he a KKK act? What does that mean? No, that's just his audience, and that's where he works. And so I kind of heard that. I put that together. Then later on, I talked to some guys like my buddy Ryan Singer, who's a road guy, said he's got a catchphrase, uh, which was, um, I talked to him about it. Save up. Better save up. But it was sort of a running joke, but I still never, never seen this guy. But he'd been part of my coming into comedy my entire life in the form of these headshots, these mulleted headshots on walls of comedy clubs. Oh, by the way, you can go to the website and get the new Hot Rod Coop shirt. WTFpod.com slash merch. Groovy new t-shirt. Do I get anything else to plug for myself? I'll be at Bonnaroo. And there's still some of those DVDs left. The first 100 uh, episodes of this podcast on MP3 files in a beautiful two DVD box with some video footage. Well, so needless to say, I don't know. No, I need to say it to continue the story. I'm in Montreal last year, and I see this dude. Got a suit on, looks good, but I recognize the facial features. It's Killer Bees. And I walk up to him, and I go, you're Killer Bees. And he goes, yes, I am. And I go, I'm Mark Marin. I do a podcast. I was thrilled to meet this guy. This guy has been a mystery to me, a mystery to me my entire career. 
And I just didn't know, like, he's a Southern person. He's like, he's his domain is the South, which fascinates me. So I'm like, I got to talk to Killer Bees, and I was thrilled about it. And I'm also thrilled that there is this other area of comedy that nobody knows about. These A regional road act who's primarily a Midwestern and Southern act and has been working for years. I was thrilled. I'm like, this is, this is a get. So I, I am, I'm presenting you in a moment with uh, Killer Bees. Also, today's music, if I could, uh, was created by Sean Greenhag. He's a drummer from the band Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, and he made what he calls a New Order-style tribute to my theme music, to the theme music of this show. I was very flattered by that, and uh, I enjoyed it. So that's what that is. Better save up! You can wear those headphones. Got you. You know how to do this. I do. I put this. Yeah. Like that. And I'm I go, how does this sound? I got a feeling you know how to be Mark on a Marin. mic. Mark Marin. You're my... getting close. Marin. Yeah. Killer bees. Right. Woohoo. Killer bees. You know, it's weird. When I saw you in Montreal, I, when you introduced yourself and you knew me, I felt excited because I didn't know you at all other than from, you were this mythological comedian. <laughs> when I was growing up and we were up in the, you know, in, you know, in Boston or even in LA when I was in San Francisco, any comedy club you go to, there'd be a picture of killer bees. And you, back when you had a mullet. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and now, see, when I first started that, it wasn't even a mullet then. <laughs> Way back in old timey days, yeah. dude, it was just long in the back and short in front. Right. And then some guy who hated people from the South yeah. come up with ter- with the term mullet. <laughs> and so so now I'm mulletless, as you can see, buddy. But you yeah. were so great, man, in Montreal when I met you. And I had seen your picture uh-huh. and seen some stuff you'd done on Comedy Central back years ago and had always remembered you. Yeah. And uh, it was so cool when I finally met Mark Marin <laughs> yeah. in Montreal, yeah. and you were gracious enough to say, "Dude, if you're out in LA, man, come by and do the podcast." So, well, uh, well, I'm I'm kind of fascinated with the idea that you know, you, how long you been doing this? Uh, well over twenty years. Well over twenty. Right. Years. So you've been so, doing it like I've been doing it that long too. Uh, uh, maybe uh, yeah, a little less than you maybe, but you are not known in uh in los angeles necessarily you're not known in boston right but you go anywhere below the mason dixon line they're like killer bees well here's what here's what happened we started having babies Uh my wife and i uh 22 years ago and it was it surprised babies Uh you know one of those deals man more than one surprise baby Uh, well just one at a time but we (laughs) only the first one was the surprise right and so i made the decision then to try not to be an ab- an absentee dad. Right. So we stuck around the southeast. We were kind of like a mom and pop operation. My wife did my booking and stuff. Uh-huh. And um, we didn't really have all the big connections. But if I can say so unabashedly, yeah. the stage performance was badass. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I've made it on the strength of caring about the audience and going out and, and throwing down. So anyway, we kind of hung in the southeast for a... Uh, for all this time, where so do you that live we now? Could, uh, Mobile, Alabama. We're down on the Gulf Coast. Did you? But did you grow up in the South? I, I, I did. I was born in uh, in Alabama, a town called Andalusia, which is near another town called Op, uh-huh. which is where they have the big, famous giant rattlesnake roundup each okay. year. Okay. Yeah. But by the time I was a uh, preschooler, we had made it to Jackson, Mississippi, uh-huh. and that's where I grew up. And then I went from Jackson, Mississippi, to uh, Nashville. And uh, worked out of Zanies up there. I yeah, I just done, had Zanies, dude. I have done more shows in Zanies, Nashville, than anybody in the history of that showroom. Now, do you sell out every time? Not anymore. They've <laughs> seen me a billion times. We always do good numbers, and I suspect we always will. 
And uh, it's so cool because beautiful women will come up to me after the show and uh-huh. go, my mom and dad saw your show on their first date. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, God, yeah, I feel <laughs> fossilized. Yeah, I know. But do you change but, it up? I mean, do you find he's still right or what? Yeah, I, I do, man. It's the human experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... Uh, you still do the, the, the catchphrase? The save up? Yeah. Yes, I do. But we got a new album with Warner Brothers that we're... Uh, recording and we're going to switch it to you're good you're good and it'll be the stories about when you're backing up the rv and you look out the left window uh-huh. the, the left mirror and you can see the picnic table scraping the thing and you look out the right mirror and your wife and your other drunk buddies are all going you're good <laughs> so you're good so yeah so can we like to stick with two syllables <laughs> Mark, because they're easier on us who learn to read in crayon. <laughs> but Dan Whitney does, uh, what, what is his? his uh, uh, get, get her, her done. done. See, that's, that's three. three syllables. That takes all day. <laughs> when you have a draw like mine, do three syllables. You know, that'll take you forever. When I was a kid in school, we had to learn what onomatopoeia was. Uh-huh. And that was the whole class just getting four people to say it. So, <laughs> See, this is the weird thing about people from the South is they do get a, a little short shrift. They do get, uh, you know, condescended to. Dude, I got to tell you, when I hear a voice, Mark, that sounds like mine, I go, oh, my God, what a dumbass. Yeah. Even though I sound that way, I swear to you, when I hear it, I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, even the politicians in yeah. the sound, I tell you, we're going to fix them taxes. I'm like, crap. <laughs> so, but who are your audiences? But, um... I've got big demographics, dude. I, I, I'm i not a very dirty act. I, right. I'm not real blue. And uh, because it is a life experience type uh, show, man, I'm I'm from, from 20 to 69, 70 right. years old. I do good with, with those people. One reason because, especially in the South, you have to be respectful to the audience. Yeah. And that is something I have always been is respectful and try not to take the cheap shot um, and just try to use wordsmithing yeah. and body language. I'm not highly educated. I went to college for three weeks and I knew everything. Yeah. You know, because you take that psychology 101 and the yeah. psychology teacher at Hines Junior College, Raymond, uh-huh. Mississippi, goes, goes, your actions will be based on other people's reactions to them. And I go, in other words, if I run up to some big old guy and push him and he knocks me down, I won't do it again. The guy goes, yeah. And I go, Ricky Stacy taught, taught me that in the third grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what do you, I need this for? I, I just graduated. Yeah. I could be working at the linen plant. But wait, wait, so did you, like, before comedy, like, what, what kind of family did you grow up in? My mm. dad was a police officer 32 years. In Jackson? In Jackson, Mississippi. Um, and my mom was a school teacher. Mom went back to school after having four children and got her Ph.D. in education. Um, she got that degree at Jackson State University that is in Jackson, Mississippi, a predominantly black college. And there was a lot of eyebrows raised at our family way back then for mom going to this college. But they had the program that she needed and wanted. And what, she white, was white eyebrows raised. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, I, and I will say this immediately. Things are a lot different in the South than they were back in the old days you know people think and care more now and it's it's not the so you definitely grew up with that with that separation the segregation the anger yeah i did and i saw it and that's how i can now look at it and go man it is so much better you know other than your people who don't think and feel right and they're coast to coast north and south you know your boorish dumb asses are still going to be out there matter of fact when i left the Mississippi area to actually yeah. come out and go on tour. Uh-huh. I thought that when I went to Milwaukee or to Portland or somewhere, I would be away from the rednecks. Oh no, doesn't happen. Well, I, I have to assume that you have a, a bit of a redneck following. I do. Yeah, I do because I sound like them, yeah. and I can cater to them. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'm really good about not being uppity <laughs> on as stage. A reg- as a Southern white man? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, yeah, no, as a performer. Uh-huh. You know, because What would constitute uppity? Like, telling them, here's here's the dynamics, and you, yeah. you do this because you live on stage, man. People in the audience are under the assumption that we know more or that we have more gifts or special powers that they don't have. Right. Therefore, it is much easier for us to come off as condescending. Okay. You know, no, and I that's, think that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's a. That, I mean, that's a real dynamic there. Right. So I really try to thank them for coming to the show. You know, I'm a little more self-effacing on stage than I am in real life because I. 
I would rather make fun of me first yeah. and be just a sweet little nice guy so that the second half of the show, when I do something really stupid and idiotic and mean as hell, they go, he didn't mean it. Yeah. You know, and that's something I learned, too. And you've heard this, too, I'm sure, man. You got to make them like you. It's right. not as much about them liking your act unless it's like a production show like Carrot Top or something, you know, yeah. a big production show. You know that you've worked with people where you've asked artists, audience members, what do you think of so-and-so's act? We didn't like him. Yeah. Not, we didn't like what he wrote. We yeah. didn't like the punch. Well, it took me, I think, a lot longer to learn that than most people. Yeah, but but do you, under, do you agree with me on No, it's a good point because, you know, I was a fairly standoffish, angry, not condescending comic, but I would definitely push push buttons. Right. And, and you know, it took me years to realize, well, you know, you could probably push the same buttons if you just, you know, acted nicer. And framed it a different way. Exactly. I mean, exactly, if you're, you're going to be angry and pushing buttons, they're going to think like, why the fuck did we come here to yeah. be talked to like he's that? He's mad at us. We're who he's talking about. <laughs> you know, which, what you want to do is make the audience. Here's how it, it, yeah. it, it's, it, it's us and yep. them. Right. You know, that's the way it is. So the people in that showroom with you, they're us. Right. And so you would rather pander to us and talk about them. So now, in my humble opinion. No, I think you're right. Now, let me ask you, you know, straight up, like... Uh, so you've been doing what you're doing for a long time, and then you got there's a whole generation now. It seems like maybe two generations of uh, of these blue collar comics. Now, is there any part of the in the killer bee brain, the gracious and and loving killer bee brain, that's like I was doing that first? Um, not really, <laughs> not really. But I was, but I was doing it way back there, man. And here's what happened to me: I mm. was in Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. And there were no comedy clubs in the state. I was just motivated to do it because I've been funny since I was a teeny, teeny little baby. Yeah. So How, you I have would, proof of that. I would. I do. <laughs> sadly, <laughs> sadly, Mark Marin. Yeah, I do. My, your friend. mom was like, uh, what? She said you were always a piece. You're yeah, always yeah. a comedian. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I from my earliest days, I was. I remember being funny. I grew up, and before we got to Jackson, Mississippi, we yeah. lived in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, in a funeral home. My dad was an embalmer before mm. he became a police officer later. And as a toddler, yeah, I'm serious. As a toddler playing in the yard of this little funeral home, um, I would see people that were grieving come and go all day, all day, every day. People came in crying. People left crying. Yeah. Um, I can remember getting chewed out by the receptionist for shooting my cap pistol during a funeral. Uh -huh. I can remember, Truett Jr., yeah, yeah. Quit, quit shooting that damn cap gun. We're trying to bury somebody in here. We're covered up in dead people, and you're out here hooping like a white Indian. So, <laughs> so, but that's one of my earliest memories. And I wonder, Mark, to this day, if that is part of my impetus, if you will, yeah. to make people laugh. Do you remember seeing corpses and stuff? I do. I do, because I remember as kids talking about seeing purple people yeah. or green people. Or, uh -huh. or to, to this day, I know it is ashen color because of the lack of oxygen in the right. corpuscles. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Oxygen-carrying <laughs> corpuscles. Well, I think that, that probably did have something to do with it. I mean, I imagine if you see that many people upset, do you remember feeling upset, too? I do not, because it was beyond me yeah. of what the situation was. Right. Um. So then we went to Jackson, Mississippi, and Dad got on the police force there, so... That was during the 60s, during the race riots. So I remember growing up angst-ridden over, is dad going to get killed? Right. You, you know, not really knowing the politics of it. Sure. You know, being too young to be into that. Sure. But, but that's another early memory. And I think I started using wit and humor then as a... Uh, coping mechanism. Thank you very much. Coping yeah, mechanism. But like, do you remember, like, what was the, what was the state of... Well, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about it because I I don't know that I've ever talked about it with a with a guy who was on the the other side of it in the sense that your father was obviously trying to maintain order in, in a situation where you know blacks were were fighting for fundamental civil rights and it had to be pretty insane. Did you feel the tension at home? Um, I did, and the frustration, and I can and I can say if I had the attitude now, way back then, there'd have been a big rift in the house. Right. You know, because as you grow and learn. So you're a recovering racist. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. I was never a hardcore racist, right. but I was grown. I grew up around that in the deep south. Sure. And uh, luckily was not one of the people who embraced that. Right. And what is cool now is I see so many people around me where I live that don't play that. Right. We don't go there. Right. Um, but it's still alive and well. 
You talking about racism? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the South. Ignorance is, yeah. is alive and well in smaller numbers than right, it was. Right. I, I've got to stick up for the Southern region sure. well, no, and I, that I, things are so, so, so much better. Every time I've been down there, I, I'm always amazed at the uh, the hospitality. And, and there's there are a lot of progressive people down there. Right. You just get a bad rap because, you know, shit went down. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, and just look back in the day, the percentage was different. Sure. You know, the percentage has flip-flopped now. Uh-huh. Now, I'm always curious about, like, given that you've performed all over the South and you live in the South, do you find your way up into the hills and, well, and do Well, yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, which is a great little city, the yeah. outskirts of some of these places have some pretty rural areas. Uh-huh. But even then, you will see people temper the way they act because of the bad publicity that racism and just dumb acidness gets you right. know across the board right. so so i'm glad to see that <laughs> you know what i mean so that's a you've never been in a situation where you perform for somebody and they come up to you after the show and they say something you're a like a thousand I, times hey, like, here's a, here's something you can use in your act yeah. beast and it starts yeah. with the n-word yeah, you know yeah, like uh, dude yeah, yeah you know you know or gay bash you know yeah, like, yeah. you know and i don't go there i don't yeah. play that man because i think i think mark that if you're gifted and you have that that spark to make people laugh i do not believe in the concept of anything for a laugh right i think that's letting your art form down right you know i think if you've really got the chops and you're gifted that you should be able to entertain people without taking them to a sad dark place exactly i've been divorced and i don't do divorce jokes because i've not known people that it was a really happy thing for yeah i worked in a 911 ambulance in jackson mississippi i was 17 years old i was the youngest person in the state of mississippi to do 911 ambulance work and way back then and what i do you mean you drove or you i worked on you in the back dude i was the guy and i was a little bit funny with if you had a broke leg you yeah. were not appreciative of my little punchline yeah right <laughs> As genius as they were. You were in the back of the ambulance. Yeah, but I was, at that time, they did not have EMT certification, so the official title <laughs> so was, well, this, is, this is 1971. <laughs> okay. So the so the certification then was basically ambulance attendant uh, was what they called us, but I have throw done. Throw a kid in the truck. Yeah, I, dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> man, what has happened to your leg? Yeah, that that yeah. dog bit it, and then I fell off the porch. Well, what do you weigh? <laughs> 348 pounds. Can you crawl to that stretcher and get on it? Because I weighed like 128. You know, but that, I got to tell you, dude, that was the test of my life Mm -hmm. that taught me I could deal with pressure and with intense situations. What was like some of the situations you had to deal with? Everything I'd done, every ambulance call there is except a plane crash or a drowning. I've done murders, I've done suicides, I've done rapes, I've done babies, I've done people blown up, people smushed flat, people caught on fire, people electrocuted, fall off the house. <laughs> you, you, name something else, what else can happen to you? <laughs> Bit on the ear yeah. by Reese's monkey. Hunting accident. Hunting accident. <laughs> so, so all of those things, and I learned the consequences of yeah. doing stupid stuff. Yeah. I learned that at a young age. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of seat belts. A lot of yeah. people don't like wearing them, but at 40 miles an hour, you can hurt yourself real, real bad. Yeah, you know, are split still, your eyeball, break your elbow, that kind of. I mean, are there still people so, that are fighting the seatbelt thing? I'm sure there are. <laughs> you know, because you can tell it's them because there's no seatbelt on them, but there's cigarette ashes on yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just this kid driving around in an ambulance, and you'd have to what help out, dude. I remember, I remember when they first came out with the electronic uh, sirens. When I first started, it was what they called the Q2 siren. It was a big crank it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it had electric motor on it. Yeah, but it was that one. And then when it came out with the little beep, beep, beep that yeah. one, dude, we would drive through the countryside <laughs> and play with it and try to play tunes and some yeah, cows yeah. and look like, like yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell are you doing? <laughs> what was the most common accident down there? Car wrecks, a lot of car wrecks, yeah. and there were a lot of instances where alcohol was a contributing factor. Uh huh. You and know what about domestic abuse? Th- oh yeah, and that you know, and a lot of gunplay. <laughs> You know, I mean, people shooting relatives over a checkered game because they were drinking moonshine and stuff. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, it was... Uh, 
Just like, so damn bizarre, man. And do you remember back when the CB radio craze was going? Breaker, breaker one right. night. Yeah. Went on a call where a guy had a 30-foot antenna on top of his house, yeah. climbed to the top of it to, to adjust it. a wing nut or something yeah. else, and damn uh, tower <laughs> falls off the house. So, so so who comes to get him? Me. He's like, oh, my God. Big gash his head and my little dumb ass. Saying, Woo! <laughs> Look at you. You was up there. Yeah. Wasn't that must hurt like hell. Well, I'm glad I didn't do that. You don't talk about that on stage? I have talked very little about that on stage because, and here's why, man, because the back then, funeral homes owned the ambulance services. And so this ambulance service I worked for was owned by a funeral home. A guy that went to embalming school with my dad in Nashville was in Jackson, Mississippi, and had a funeral home and owned the ambulance service. So I that? worked in the funeral home. And did ambulance slash funeral home stuff. I've embalmed people, dude. I've done incisions and raised arteries and done sutures and all that. And because I think the funeral home was tied in with the ambulance service, and that's another thing that can crush a person's mood for the evening is talking about death and destruction. <laughs> I don't really go there. With that being said, my first ambulance call. Yeah. My first, and you have coaxed this out of me. <laughs> Come Mark Marin, because <laughs> yeah. you're my buddy. Uh, um, my first ambulance call, I don't know if I've told you this, my, my manager, Robert, um, we went on this ambulance call. A woman fell and broke her hip. Yeah. We picked her up. I'm right. in the back of the ambulance. Her two teenage, hot-looking daughters rode in the ambulance with right. us. All yeah. right. We take her to the hospital. We drop her off. We go about our business. A couple of months later, I'm at the funeral home, back in the back, watching TV, waiting on an ambulance call, and they come back there. Same line as when I was a little boy in Kosciuszko. We're covered up with dead people. We got four funerals going on at once. Come up front and help show people which viewing room to go to for which service. Yeah. Sounded easy. Yeah. So I go up there, and I'm wearing my little suit and tie, and I'm standing there, and people come in there for the Adams, and, well, that was right down there, man. That's room 2A. Yeah. Well, I'm standing there, these two chicks come up to me. Of course, I'm 17 years old, you know, so chicks, hell yeah. Let's go. Damn right. So they come up, and they go... We know you. And I go, really? They go, mm-hmm. you took our grandmother to the hospital when she broke her hip. Yeah. And dumbass me up in a funeral home, not realizing they are up in a funeral home, go, that's right. How is she? Uh, and, of course, they're like, well, she's, she's in there. Oh, and no. so then I'm like, oh, my God. So, and they that's they like they didn't know whether to laugh if I was being funny. And I wasn't. Yeah. You're just being so, honest. Yeah. So that was weird. Like, oh, my God. So nothing happened. I'm taking it. Yeah. 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 That, that, that yeah, they didn't, they, I didn't get pepper spray. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't nail it. You know. <laughs> Well, that's it's pretty fascinating to me. So, okay, so the the funeral home would would own the ambulance company, so they're sort of like uh, that corner on the market. Cut out the middleman, right? You know, it'd be like, you know what? You could save your family a lot of money if you just let us take you on. <laughs> this ain't gonna work out. Yeah, you don't, don't need that hospital stay. I can't even stop this bleeding. I don't know why you insist on going all the way to the. It was it was hardcore though, dude. There were calls where there was blood coming out the doors of the ambulance. We would get multiple gunshot people, just all kinds of stuff. Just people shooting each um, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think and that just, also teaches you something about the human experience. Is that like you know I've always thought that you know even in a, in a biblical way, there's there's only a handful of ways that people fuck up, and you know people are always going to shoot each other. They're always going to kill each other. It, that's what we're fighting against. Is you're hoping to make better people that don't think to do that yeah yeah but if there's a lot of guns around they're, they're gonna shoot each other and once again dude i'm telling you alcohol had a lot to do with it yeah you know you drink um, I, I, not nearly like i used to do yeah i'm like so many of us that spent a bunch of years <laughs> doing too much partying yeah you know and and I can't imagine you on cocaine. Dude, let me tell you what. You think this coffee had me good? I could hover. I bet. All right. So, and now killer bees and you come down from the ceiling. With no rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just lower down. I do the Tarzan swing without the rope. Isn't that amazing that we live through that shit? And you know what, man? I just, I think back on it and I'm just so blessed to have gotten through that with my health. Yeah. And with a sense of purpose. You know, yeah. that's I was one of these cats that that admittedly partied too much, was not did not mature as soon as I needed to. And yeah. that's one of the things you learn about maturity with maturity comes selflessness. Sure. That's See, a good point. that's what you find out, you know. So this day and age 
even though I'm the same persona on stage and the same bone-crushing badass, and I like to, as I say, stand on their neck with love. Yeah. I'm a much mellower, much more giving person off stage. Well, you got to, and, and I think that's part of the 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 that happens because of our job. I mean, you actually you get into this job, you're like, well, I can make my adolescence go to 150. Yeah, we're not. We're, yeah, yeah, we don't okay, have I mean, to. We're not. We don't have to to own up to what we do. Well, and also we don't have to wake up. You know, unless you have to do radio, you know. That's right. There's you're people that home. cover for yeah, you. Yeah, sure. There's a you special, know? you know, we're on Planet Hotel Room. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that, you know, that's a learning curve that well, I had to Did you get some religion through. along the way? Because that sounded pretty, uh, pretty I have been, specific. I have grown up in a, in a Christian family, in a Christian environment. Baptist? Uh, Methodist. Uh-huh. Um, was a part-time Christian like most of us have been. Yeah. Um, until June the 24th. Night, uh, June the 24th, 2005, both my parents were killed by a drunk driver, Mark. Um, after, after a life of service, school teacher, police officer, they were going to a family reunion going through Atlanta, and they were hit by a drunk driver in an 18-wheeler. Oh, God. Hit eight cars, killed a 23-year-old kid in another vehicle. Jesus. And so for about a year there, I was in absolute dire straits dude you know went went to my doctor he prescribed xanax you know didn't want to go be funny you were angry not i I was crushed dude it didn't feel it did not feel appropriate to go be funny and silly yeah and it was just and then you kind of ask those questions why this yeah 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 and how in the hell do i go act like i'm happy and cheerful and heal other people Uh when i am just ripped apart like this so instead of doing it the way a man should do it suck it up face it and heal i went the doctor route and took the xanax for a year yeah. which at the end of a year i kind of came out of a fog well, well lost a lot of weight and stuff yeah. and was eating that instead of food and yeah. just and after about a year one day just somehow out of the fog i went wait a minute this is not right i'm killing myself this you know so then i started the process of weaning off of it so then I started the process of just hanging with my next door neighbor uh, in Mobile who started teaching me about prayer. Uh-huh. Bees, look, man, I want to help you. We all love you. We all know what you what so you, you And they saw the dark, want, cloud, the dark cloud and, hanging yeah, over the house they, over there. And, and they did, man. And so that's where I started learning about selflessness and about faith. You know, and even even if you're not, a Christian, if you're not a believer, right. it, that's not even the issue. No, the issue is don't sweat it. Have faith. Do your best, and take care of the tasks that are at hand. Right. So, and also give. And also give. I read a book called A Purpose Driven Life, and the first words in that damn book say, "It's not about you." Joe, that's the that's first word. Austin's book. Yeah, yeah, that was the first words, and it was like a lightning bolt. You know, and I'd been running around with my head up my ass being all about me, all fleshy and stupid. Fleshy. And that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full of the flesh. Yeah. I'm trying not to say chasing pussy yeah. on your podcast. You can say whatever I'm, you want. Because I'm nice. <laughs> chasing pussy's fine. Yeah, because I'm a clean ass, yeah. you know. No, it's cut it loose. But, but you know, dude, I mean, so so that's where my healing really started was looking the right direction Mm -hmm. so uh that how long did you not perform for crap only only about three weeks dude i had to go to work right you know did that help though and then i was doing the shows under the influence of xanax oh so it made no difference little laid back the xanax flatlines you and you don't face the emotional hurt till you get done with it so now a year later i have to kind of go through the The grief grief again um let's say well see i like hearing stories uh, like that so your neighbors did you know them well i i knew the guy pretty well we had kind of gone into business together on a comedy club back decades ago you know and this and that Mm -hmm. and and whatnot and then lo and behold he showed up as my next door neighbor and Mm -hmm. we would just go and sit for hours on his uh porch at night just communing and stuff sure hanging out and and uh he taught me these things and he and he just gave to me like that he was not embarrassed or afraid to go dude do you pray a lot do you know how to you know and i told him the, the truth about things I, i've always been afraid to pray for success because i thought that was being selfish yeah now i know and am driven to success so that i can make a difference 
You know, that's why we is that want the, to. Is that how Austin fr- uh, frames it? It's sort because of, there is sort of a a new approach towards uh, Christianity in in terms of like not being ashamed to pray for success because if your heart's in the right place, it's going to benefit everybody. You got to do it for the right reason. That huh. is correct. And I growing up selfish and pussy and coke it, in the right reason no it is not <laughs> but it was fun though right oh duh oh i was a badass i'm on the wall of fame in some places <laughs> yeah well that no that's interesting to me because like as somebody who you know i wasn't brought up christian i wasn't brought up with much religion but but i do think that once you're handed your ass you know one way or another enough times that you know if you fight if you fight that you've been handed your ass and you're still like, no, fuck you. I don't want my ass. You're going to become a clown. You know, you're going right. to become a sad, isolated, angry, self-pitying, bitter fool. I agree, dude. Totally. So like, however you get handed your ass and you accept it and say, well, I needed to have my ass handed to me. Now, how, where do I go from here? And you start to realize like, well, well, I am who I am. These are my limitations. How do I become a better person? Yep, exactly. You know, and that's, that's kind of where my story went, you know? Yeah went through all that and so uh now these years later after that accident you know i'm pretty healed up and am on such a bigger mission yeah than in the old timey days you know way back then it was just have a good set and a good time yeah yeah that was the mission now now it is far reaching you know it's things in my community that when i reach a certain level of success i can help correct like what um education yeah i'm doing a show uh i mean dental work i'm doing a show in the carolinas uh next week as a matter of fact for a foundation that does free dental work for underprivileged kids healthy smiles is the name of that uh-huh. particular foundation um you learn to give of yourself like uh-huh. that you know there's yeah. a uh i do a lot of charity stuff speedway children's charities the nascar people had me come in and i do stuff for them and uh, there's a NASCAR charity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of them. Actually, a lot of those guys do a lot of stuff for under underprivileged kids. They make a lot of stuff. money and they give back. Uh, yeah. Are you a NASCAR yeah. fan? Um, I'm a NASCAR fan in as much as I've been to a couple of races. What's the appeal? And it's, I think, loud noise and and wrecks. <laughs> you know, you know, me having no mechanical skills and yeah. not being a car nut. Yeah. I'm not adamant over i do not have a favorite driver right and all that kind of stuff you yeah. know but at the time i was able to get some i was able to get on on a espn uh-huh. you know and that yeah. kind of stuff so and my wife wanted to go so mm-hmm. they would fly something put us in the suites to watch it that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. but so it's fun yeah. but getting to do stuff for the charities is the payoff you know so what what do you what are your hobbies um I like shooting pistols. I grew up as a competition pistol shooter. When uh-huh. Dad was on the police force, he was a he was on their pistol team, uh-huh. and they toured the country and had pistol matches, marksmanship stuff against other municipalities. We found out there was a kids division. Uh-huh. So when I was ten years old, yeah. I toured and won money and trophies shooting uh 38 revolvers shot till i was 18 was invited to the olympic trials when i was 14 you gotta have good eyes for um, that shit I, 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 so i don't shoot as well as i used to oh yeah you know but this was target shooting it was a slow fire precision bullseye match where you shot and those 10 are, they're rounds. funny looking guns aren't they well now back in those days it was just revolvers because oh. that was before all these tricked out auto loaders were right. accurized right and uh, the the idea was to no shoot. No red dots. Correct, correct. Uh-huh. The idea was to shoot at 45 feet and try to get every bullet through the same hole with mm-hmm. iron sights. And they gave you 10 full minutes to shoot only 10 rounds. So you would shoot around, set the gun down, shake your hands out, re- get, get your breath back, you know, because it was m- micro, just micro is that centimeters the way, is that, That's the way to different. do it? You don't want to pop off three in a row? No, you don't. You want to take your time, dude, and, and make sure that you're still fresh and strong. Take a big breath in put about half of it out yeah. and really look at that sight picture uh-huh. and caress How many times that you get trigger. How many times you get it in the same hole? Lots. Yeah? Lots. I shot perfect scores of hundreds lots of times in these pistol matches. No kidding. Um, so, so I was good. My mom was good. My mom won the Colt Firearms Regional Championship one year. So uh-huh. we did that. That was a lot of fun to do. Um. You tried got, to be a guitar player, another hobby. Yeah, I like I playing know, guitar. I know three blues notes, 
But, dude, I know them at two different dots. Oh, yeah, man. And I shake the dog out of them, so it's almost like six notes and all. That's all you need. So, And while (laughs) we're talking, even though people at home can't see it, and we'll continue talking while I'm pulling this up, I'm going to show you a picture of my son playing one of my Les Pauls. That I got from from Gibson. The Leonard Skinner Band loves me. (laughs) They think I am the bomb, dude. And they used to come to my show... And, um, Get the fuck out of here! They used to How long cook. before before the accident or after? Before. So you knew the original lineup? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, fuck. dude! I recorded with them. No, which album? I, um, they I signed with Sony Music way back in old timey days. And I was yeah. on the Columbia label. Yeah, and this was when a lot of NASCAR stuff was going on. They were on MCA, and, right? And they go. I think they were, as a matter of fact. And yeah, I know they, well, they did the song. What are you say? So anyway, so the guys at Sony were talking to me about doing this NASCAR song. I go, well, look. I go, my buddy, Ed King, the guy that wrote the, the, the riff yeah. to Sweet Home Alabama. Right, he was on the first two albums. Yeah, I, I go, Ed King and he's, I are he's good your friend? buddy. Yeah, yeah, we're good buddies. We should call him. He, he goes, uh, he goes uh, I go, man, Ed King and I want to write this song called Save Up. We can make it about racing and put it on that record based on go, your hook right and i go if the skinnered guys write a racing song can they be on the record too and get their own thing well yeah so so i kind of hooked them up with writing the song for that and then they helped me with my save up song and they were my band in the studio get the on fuck. the damn album the it original says, lineup it says killer bees well let me think alan collins was not it Alan he, Collins had already died, and of course oh, so Ronnie Van. This was post. So you crash. didn't. You didn't know Ronnie. Correct. Correct. Okay, so I worked with Johnny and Gary. You know Gary. G- Gary. Leon. Leon. Um, uh, Billy Powell. Bill Powell. Didn't he yeah, just pass? He did. He did. As a matter what of fact, what a great piano player. Oh man, I'm telling you. And he was a. And nobody knows he was a classical player. He was a beautiful, flowing classical player. But did honky tonk piano and Skinner? Those first six albums or so, man. I mean, I, I, you know, I honestly listened to the fuck out of all of them. I listened to Pronounce Learn Skinner, Second Helping, Give Me Back My Bullets, uh, the Double Live album. I got that, and then uh, the one that they they released right, you know, right when they died. That was a great album. What was the, it called the again? Street Survivors? Street Survivors and the the lead guitar stuff in Damn That Smell. Yeah. That is some really good, complicated that's great. That's that's Steve, dual Steve guitar. Steve right? Steve Gaines, yeah. Did you know that guy? Did not meet Steve, because see, he perished Pastor, in that crash. Right, yeah. And while we're still talking, you got to see this picture. The story I was telling you, Rosington gave me a Les Paul. How's he doing? Actually, he gave me his. He's doing, he's doing good. They're not working as much now. And all. But he's um, sober and shit? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're oh, all, yeah. and they were inspirational to me to help me get my act back really? together. Oh, yeah, hell yeah, man. Just, you know. What's he like, man? Nice guy. Humble as hell. Um, only get squirrely when it's time to get on stage, uh-huh. which which a lot of well, us. I don't are even like know who's that. on that lineup anymore. I mean, what, uh, Artemis Medlock, is Ricky Medlock from Blackfoot is playing with them. Look okay. at that! I got the saying, and that's my son playing my Les Paul that has killer bees on the fretboard. Oh, look at that! Is that a gorgeous guitar, man? Yeah, it's, it's if not. If y'all yeah. should see it, it's made out of diamonds, gigantic <laughs> diamonds, worth about fourteen thousand dollars. No, something like that. But, but that's that flamed maple, right? Yeah. That but top. the story on that, Rosington gave me his amp from the Rosington Collins band. Okay. The band they formed after the crash, and gave me a Les Paul. I was going to Nashville. I like that shows. first album. That first Garrett Rising to Collins band. That yeah. was a good. Album. Yeah, boy, Alan Collins. What he didn't have good luck that dude. No, huh? oh no, he did not. Because they had God those damn. car wrecks. He, ended he up, had uh, in the plane. He survived the plane wreck. Then he had a car wreck, right? Which and killed his him. girlfriend. That same wreck that crippled him killed his girlfriend. Now was he fucked up? As a matter of fact, yeah. I mean that was bad. Yeah, I, I'm, but I mean drinking. You know, and shit? I, yeah, don't, don't know. know. Yeah, don't know, man. But they, but Rosington gave me a Les Paul. We were headed to Nashville to do some shows and. My stuff got stolen. Mm-hmm. Somebody broke into the van, took our stuff. So I got to Nashville, and I'm doing a radio interview, whining about it. My clothes were gone. You know, hell, I got to be on, you know, this and that. Well, by the time I got done with the interview, the people from the office at the radio station come in with a note, called the Gibson Custom Shop, because they're there in Nashville. And so I got in touch with them, and they hooked me up. The men come out here, 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 take this Les Paul and just play it, one with a blue quilted top. So you're doing and a musical they go, act? I, I was I was thinking about trying to put some blues stuff right. in my act, but right. I cannot sing at all. Right. And and as much as I would love to run out in front of the room and do my Frank Marino and Mahogany mm-hmm. Rush impression, <laughs> you know, I don't know who that would work for these days. Yeah, but exactly. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> 
but God bless me for bringing him. Up. But but you know, so so, so you have to kind of not. Frank you you Marino got to mahogany rush. So you have to kind of stick. To, That's the impression you're gonna do. Dude, my favorite guitar player lost his damn leg. Who? Leslie West. Oh, with Mountain. Yeah, yeah. He's diabetic. Mississippi Queen. Right. Um, so so anyway, so the Gibson Custom Shop goes, look, man, if you'll uh, get people to register for a free guitar at your shows, we'll build you a new one in the custom shop. And oh, then after the draw one, we'll give it to you. And I go, can I get my name on it? And he went, hell yeah. So they put my name off. My name, Killer Beads, is on the fretboard of this guitar. And, you know, it is hard as hell to play because you're like, what yeah. dot? You know, generally the oh, dots, yeah, the, the dots, but there's no yeah. dots. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm not, like, crap. What yeah. notes the R? I'm not good enough to have my name oh, on a guitar. Crap. You learned your lesson. Yeah, I know. There's a, you've I'm, been humbled. I'm t- I know. It's like it's hubris. There's yeah. two L's in killer. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to tell my son, put your right, now, put the ring finger on the second L. <laughs> you know, it's like God. That's hilarious. Only people that really know how to play should have their names on guitars. No lie, man. Because yeah. just like crap. Yeah, no dots. Shit, I played the K. Damn it. Damn it. I got a custom shop. Uh, this one, this one here's a. Oh, look at a, that! Well, this is an old. It's a. T, well, it's it's TV yellow. TV Junior, yeah, yeah, that's because right. of that color and that yellow color on black and white TVs looked white back then. Right, yeah, that's a. Ah! It's not, that, I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, have you been to that place? What the hell is it? I went. I was in Nashville at Zanies my first time just a few months ago, and uh, I did all right. Um, but I went to that that amazing four store guitar story guitar shop. What's that? Bruins, holy downtown. Shit. Yeah, they've got all the vintage stuff. Have, have you ever been taken up into the vaults up there? No, I've not. Oh, come on, man! I don't even live there. And the guy took me up. I just told him I was in town playing guitar. He brought me up to. They got like six luthiers on staff. Unreal. And people were bringing shit. They got those old Gibson harp guitars from the early yeah. 1900s and shit. They, he was showing me all this kind of stuff. I played a fun '64 Strat in there one time. Oh yeah, that was real. Fat and pretty sound. They, let you, play, they nice. let you play it? Yeah. yeah. I'm killer damn bees. Come on, Mark. God, it's the South. Hell, I get free barbecue, dude. Where's the best barbecue? Um, Memphis, Rendezvous. Yeah. A place called the Rendezvous in Memphis has the best barbecue. Yeah. Um, soon, my barbecue is going to be the best because I bought a new, spo- a new smoker for my patio. Yeah. Electronic digital smoker with a remote. Yeah. A damn remote. You don't have to like get off paper. the couch. I can sit on my couch and my wife can go, dude, when's that damn chicken going to be ready? And I can go one hour, 18 minutes. Hey, now, be quiet. I'm watching TV. Yeah, and I bought it at Sam's Club. Yeah. And generally, when you're walking through Sam's Club, you're yeah. just another little sad sack pushing yeah. the cart for yeah. your wife, you yeah, know. Yeah. But when you've got a damn smoker in there that says wireless remote, yeah. every guy in there's in there high-fiving your fist bumps, <laughs> man. You know, I was cock of the walk, dude. I had a great game about five pounds in my chest. I did an extra lap through the store. Like, man, this is awesome. Everybody's like, you going to cook on that? Oh, hell yeah, I am. Did you try it? Yet? Oh hell yeah, come yeah. yeah hell yeah. So good. it does real well, man. I want to put some quail on it. Yeah. This past weekend I Can't did a function. Those, right? I, they say they dry out quick, yeah. so yeah. I got to be careful. I did a function for an outfit called Quail Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, I flew from there to here. Do you hunt? Uh, this past week, I hunted quail with them, and Shotgun. it was like a big safari thing. It was an over and under Beretta twenty eight gauge so, shotgun, which is a uh, you know twenty gauge. 28 gauge uh-huh. that's a newer gauge when i was a kid growing up there's no such thing as a 28 well, that's pretty gauge. small bb right it, it, it's it's a small barrel yeah. opening on it you know yeah. you can get different size shot in it you can get big bbs or little yeah, ones yeah. in it but the circumference uh-huh. diameter mm-hmm. of the shell is smaller and the reason they can do that for quail is they have the bird dogs that go in and point them and then when they flush you're just standing there by them so it is a short range well that's a big trick with quail is getting those bb's out of project. them you don't eat any bb's that is correct sir. yeah i uh i actually went uh i had a friend who is who's uh whose who's family's from montgomery alabama and gotcha. I, I spent a weekend down there He's actually his 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 grandfather was a big doctor down there. Jackson, the Jackson Hospital in Montgomery, gotcha. uh, is my buddy Devin Jackson's grandfather. And we went out and shot some guns and you know ate some quail. I didn't kill any. We didn't get any, but they had some. They had some already. Yeah. I love shooting guns. It's like Zen archery to me. It's yeah. without the archery. Do you have? Part. Do you have? How many do you have in your house? You got one. You got the pistol by the bed. I got or a what? few dozen, I guess, yeah. in the house or something like that. Are you but preparing for anything? Or are you? Still... I am not, Mark. I just love the focus it takes. Yeah. To get that sight, to get your sights lined up, and to send the projectile to you the proper. Wouldn't spot. think twice about defending your property, though, right? I would think twice about defending property with 
with deadly force, I would not think twice about defending my family right. using lethal force. You know what I mean? Sure. If somebody's ripping off something out of my car, I don't think I you would be need. justified in shooting a gun at them. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's not self-defense. To right. me, there's a, a finite line there. If you're not being threatened, you have no right to use that kind of force, unless that is your job. Right. Well, that's an interesting thing, because you've actually thought about this. Because some people are like, if you're on my property, you're going down. Yeah, and to me, that's ignorant and stupid. And there's a lot of that, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you hear that, and, and I don't, you know. A lot of those ambulance calls. Let me say something very cerebral. I don't cotton to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd the where'd the catchphrase save up come from well i was in milwaukee wisconsin i'm glad you asked that mark oh I was good a, man oh let me real quick the name killer bees let me address that well, what's your full name my really? name is truitt s beasley jr not, Thanks, not Dad. as catchy yeah right and the s is silent uh-huh. it, it, initial only because yeah. we were poor yeah anyway people called me bees since i was little bitty and when i was playing in these little blues bands in mississippi i'd run up in front of the band and do a guitar solo uh-huh. and the people that knew me would go that was killer bees yeah and the people that didn't know me would go thought that was my stage name right. so-and-so band with killer bees on right. guitar so that's how so you played in that's bands. how that happened yeah a little garage band yeah, yeah, i had yeah. good vibrato yeah yeah i yeah. shake the dog <laughs> out of a damn thing but i don't know my chords and scales and uh-huh, what and, uh-huh. you know just uh, all feel yeah 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 do you ever play with ed did ed king ever sit down and play with you or? yeah ed king told me one time he goes because we were doing our little project the little songs we were writing and i'd yeah. go stay at his house and then go back home do some come back stay at his house a few more days where's he live in nashville nashville and we were jamming and i played and he goes oh killer's been practicing and he set his guitar down and he goes bees you are too old to be a rock star uh-huh. he goes you have you already have a career you've yeah. got a gig it takes a long time you don't have enough time yeah. to be a rock star i mean actually stop playing to tell me that because i show i'd wow you're ready smoking he actually what he pulled off the road pretty early right he said he couldn't it wasn't he's that the story? got some uh some health issues that oh. that have slowed him down because he only did those first two albums and yeah, i remember seeing well him and like, then he played with them again and when i was doing stuff with him he was playing with them but he but wrote yes, the lick and, for sweet home alabama yeah oh yeah and and mca and give me back my bullets really yeah That's and because he wasn't even on the picture for give me back my bullets and, was but he? he still wrote the stuff oh, i yeah. mean he still you know he he still wrote so much stuff with them and and did things with them um, Double trouble, and as That's such, a a, yeah, and as such a stylistic player. Uh-huh. I mean, I've gotten to sit with him and jam and watch him do stuff that's not in the Skinner Skinner genre, right? And just a phenomenal. Is he picker. a studio phenomenal. guy down there? Um, what does he do? He's he? done some studio. So he has his own studio. But how does a guy and, uh, like that make a living? He's still making money off those Skinner records? Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, it, dude, we were sitting in his house one day doing something, and there was a check laying over there, and he oh, went to no, get some okay. water, 400 uh, grand for, for Skinner. And I don't know how many he gets a year. You know, because he wrote some the, of the songs. He wrote so many songs. And look at the movies that they're in. You well, hear movies Sweet just Home on, Alabama and other stuff. What about on the all radio? All time, dude, yes. Yeah, so. in, 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 in the United States of America, I have to assume that Sweet Home Alabama has played at least 100 times. Let's get some. Your manager's a music guy. And what, can, can you, what do you think? At oh, least. Absolutely. It's probably in the top 100 right. songs so in, in, ever, right? Right. So yeah. ASCAP, they get a nickel for that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all the money right there. Just laying there, 400 grand. Oh, I got a cash check. Remind me to take that to the bank. Yeah. And one time, he got a 1959 Les Paul stolen at gunpoint years, decades ago. Somebody came in, held a gun on, took his guitar. Yeah. When I was hanging with him, he was sitting one day looking in this Les Paul collector's book, just looking at him. Crap, there's his guitar, serial number and everything. So he emails this guy, tells him the story. The guy goes, dude, come get your guitar. I'm giving it back. Don't pay me. You just no come shit. get it. And so he went and got it and come back with it. You know, went to New York and got it, brought yeah. it back, this and that. So I was up at his house one day, and I go, dude, can I play that guitar? He goes, oh, yeah. A 59, true, Great. real life 59, that's yeah, Paul. Yeah. And got to play it and stuff, and then he put it back in the case. Yeah. And I went walking by and bumped the case, and the case fell over. Boom. Not yeah. a big deal. If you've got it, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. A, yeah. it's in the case. Sure, in the case sure. on it says, it's not sure. like a big fault. Boom, like that. So, hey, son of a big, big, big. Oh, really? That and that. The next day, I come back, yeah. and I've got one of my guitars in the case, and I set it down, and we're starting to get our stuff ready. And he runs over there and kicks, kicks it over. <laughs> kicks it over. Go, see what it's like? And then just fell out laughing. Wow. What was the backstory on the guitar? And they didn't find out someone stole it? Never or? found out who did it or anything like that. But I thought it was so awesome that this collector who had paid who knows how much money for that guitar 
gave it back to him free. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so wait, did we talk about where did Save Up come from? Oh, Save Up, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm yeah. a little opening act. I'm on stage and everybody's What year? Been, yikes, this was probably 88-ish or something, uh-huh, maybe uh-huh, 85 uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. Been in, been in the business about 10 years at the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> had you? <laughs> no, not, not quite. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I was on stage and everybody kept saying, dude, you need a call back. You need a hook. Isn't that weird? You, you know. That was the day for that. Keep your keep your eye open. You need a hook. Be uh-huh. thinking about it, you uh-huh. know. So I'm on stage and I'm doing my little act. And I was always had this part where I would ask people. I'd tell people, I grew up in the great state of Mississippi. If you've never been to Mississippi, save up. Yeah. Go for that second honeymoon. Take jumper <laughs> cables. Get in free. Yeah. So that was the line. Uh-huh. And I would just do it that one time. So I'd do that. And I'm kind of warming the crowd up. And there's a couple up front. And I'm kind of talking to them. You know, I go, do y'all got ki- have kids? And the lady goes, we have five. And the woman in the back yelled, save up. <laughs> Like that, and that's when it hit me. Like, holy crap, there it, it is! Yeah. So I did save up about thirty more times in that fifteen-minute set. You know, yeah. every time it was like, bam, and bam. that was it, right? And then it became a catch-all. Yeah, you, you sure. know, you know, sure. dude, you want to go do something? Save up. Yeah, because my know. buddy Ryan, who's this, uh, he's about thirty-five. He's coming from Dayton. I said I'm gonna have killer bees on. He goes, save up. Yeah, yeah, and nobody ever says save up. They go save up yeah. like that. They have to put the drawl and stretch it out on there. Now, do you? Who were the other guys like you know in the in the Southern Circuit that that like who who did I work with? James years? Gregory, maybe. Or what about was Tim Billy, Wilson? Is Billy Wirtz still working? The, the Reverend, Reverend Billy Wirtz. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, but he was doing a gig across the street from Zany's at Douglas Corner, that uh-huh. little bar there in, in Nashville yeah. a few years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't get to go across the street and, and, and see him, but, uh, I but, middle for him. I think I owe him an apology. I'll tell you that. That's a funny story, man. Oh, I, really? Well, yeah, because like I, I was, I was trying to, I did HBO half hour in 95. So I picked up a gig at Charlie Goodnights. It was the last time I ever worked there actually. And I was just middling, but I really was just focusing on this half hour comedy special thing, you know, and I was kind of an asshole and you know, I needed to be you know taken care of. Cause I, I was, you know, here to work out something yeah. and he's got that whole piano and all that bullshit on stage. Yeah. I couldn't fucking walk and I was pissed off already. And I'm staying at this hotel, right? So uh, during the day, I wake up. The velvet cloak? Something. Or I don't the remember. brownstone yeah, right there? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember. But all I know <laughs> is I got high. I smoked some pot in my room. And I got good and high. And I just was going to go out and take a walk, right? So I get high. I leave. And I go take a walk. And I come back. And, you know, there's, there's, there's cops and shit around. I don't know what happened, right? I go into my room. I'm not sure. And then I, go, I get to the club. And Billy says, I had to switch hotels. And I'm like, why? He goes, because the fucking cops searched my room. And I go, what are you talking about? And he was sober at the time, right? So apparently there was some sort of track meet in town and the chaperone of the track meet, all these kids, teenagers, right? And the chaperone of the track meet was in the room next to Billy. They smelled my reefer in the hallway. All right, and they and the guy, the chaperone, looks over his balcony into Billy's room, and he's like a, a vitamin freak and tease and shit. Him and his girl, they're all sober and they're deep, and they're they're clean and they're doing the but, healthy. But he thing. looks like a wild biker, right? That's right. So so this guy thought he was on to the biggest drug bust in the history of Tennessee. Calls the cops on Billy. They come shake him down, and he's got nothing. But he's like, "Fuck that hotel." And all, all along, I'm I know it's my pot that got this guy fucking freaked out, but I didn't cop to it. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. No, hell no. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, but I, I guess I don't really owe him an apology. I just always remember, like, there was that moment where I'm like, wow, that's too bad, man. I don't know what the hell that, how the hell that could have happened. That's one of those things where you look back and you go, you know, I would handle that different today. Maybe. I'd have got outside the room before I fired that up. <laughs> yeah. Or stood under the yeah. vent. And the, how many times have you almost busted your ass standing on the toilet trying to blow smoke in that little vent? Uh, there's no in, way to do it. You can't, or the towel trick, none of that shit works. Mm-mm. And now, like, pots are like, who cares? You smell pot everywhere. Really? Kind of. Do, do you, Mark? Out here. Maybe not where you live. Here you hey, can. I burnt one on Hendrix's grave back in old timey days up in, in up Renton, in Washington. Went, yeah. Renton, yeah. Renton, right outside of Seattle. Where Boeing is. So, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you ride past the Boeing plant to get there. Yeah, and you did that out of, out of respect. I did. Yeah. One of the things you have to do, if you're there or at Dwayne Allman's grave in Macon. Oh, I've never been either there. One. Speaking of Macon, yeah. and this is an experience I had flying out here, when you fly from Mobile, Alabama, 
to L.A., each leg of the flight, you get progressively more beautiful flight attendants. <laughs> really? When you fly from Which Mobile, flying Southwest. Those days are over, dude. Dude, if you fly from Mobile. <laughs> now, Mobile's airport, dude, the ticket booth is inside a Pizza Hut. <laughs> no, and they not. Yes, and they make you sit in your car to wait for the plane. Really? Don't you get out of your car till that propeller quits turning. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Here's Bye. security in Mobile. Are you nice? Yes, ma'am. You're good. Okay. That's yeah. it right there. Save so up. You're good. <laughs> you're good. That's it. That's the new one. That's the new one, man. That's the uh, soon to be released Warner Brothers. I that's going to be a Warner Brothers project. And what are you doing out here? I am out here meeting with the people with uh, Paradigm. Yeah. That's the agency. Sure, I've them. got the agent that's got the blue collar guys. Okay. Um, so we're out talking to the uh, TV and movie division and doing showcases at uh the comedy store and the improv tonight uh comedy store tonight tomorrow night improv and comedy store and i'm not sure yet what's going to be on thursday have you been night. to the store before never never really? in my life i've done the improv down there before i've never set foot in the comedy That's store so classic, even dude. that dude my adrenaline factor has been off the chain this entire trip because this is my first attempt to come out and do this, you know, because I just kind of stayed home. How old and, are you? Um, what, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> old enough to be a badass. Okay. That's interesting. You never, you never been in the comedy store. Yeah. So, some. Hey, what do you see those that, pictures, man? It's, wait, oh, it's, I bet. There's more than zanies. There's uh, more than zanies. And that's a lot. That, yeah, it's that's a lot. a lot. Yeah. And uh, well, fuck, man. So, do you know those blue collar guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've known them for over 20 years we all came up working together i tell you a strong damn show was when foxworthy and i were on the same show in a comedy club i remember that him almost I, too much damn laughter uh, yeah i i remember him before he did the redneck thing i i did one of my first paid weeks you know uh opening for him yep. in albuquerque new mexico he was always good and i'll say this about him too instead of going out and partying and acting like a dumbass he sat down with his notepad yeah, and he worked you know one of those I, guys. and i will say that yeah yeah <laughs> damn it bastard <laughs> but i will say that about him dude he worked and acted professional yeah. you know and, and that, ron, ron white's hilarious dude. yeah oh yeah they all man and 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 i love everybody who has stuck it out and continued to do it yeah you know that's one of the reasons i'm so tickled to be doing this with you today because you stuck it out through thick and thin (sighs) and you're still here you know taking care of the cause man there's those moments though where you're like okay so if i don't do this Oh, that's I got no options. Yeah, what, well, yeah, yeah that what, too. What, what is that? What does that look like? Well, maybe I can play guitar. Oh, really? You're gonna go for from what the to the rung to, lower to on the, the Frank, to the Frank Marino sure, <laughs> tribute band? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Like, Mahogany Rush tribute band. Yeah, play my little pentatonic scale. <laughs> <laughs> I got my I got my pentatonics going. Well, I don't great. use my little finger though. You don't? No, that's at one all? of my crippled things. But if Django Reinhardt got oh, you, hard, you, part of his chopped that. off, you, then you what got, the hell? Got all the amateur guitar player rationalizations. Django uh, only had two. Django, let me tell you something. <laughs> two let me fingers. tell you something about a wound G string. They're for pussies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jerry Garcia was missing a finger but on the gosh. other hand. Who are, who are some of your influences, though? Like, you know, I, I don't know what... Like Guitar what, playing or comedy? No, comedy. Uh, Steve Martin. Okay. I always liked Steve Martin because I liked people and still do that are funny anyway. What whatever some, they're doing. If he hosted The Tonight Show, he was funny as hell. Were there, weren't there some yeah. Southern acts, you know, back when you were a kid? What was that guy's name? Jerry Glower? Clower? Jerry Clower. Yeah. yeah. You know, and now, Jerry Clower was a great wordsmith. Yeah. You know, and he painted the picture and, and a lot of us way back in the day would listen to his stuff, not so much because we wanted to hear the farm-type humor. I never right. grew up in the country, so I, I couldn't really identify. But his choice of word, his wordsmithing was pretty good. He did, and this amazed me because I was ignorant as to what the word meant. Yeah. I'd only heard a negative connotation, but he actually did a thing about rattlesnakes and talked about their venom when they milked them as jism uh-huh. coming out. Yeah, and I'd always, you know, just, you know, all that locker room talk, you yeah. know, jizz, yeah. you know, and he said that on his. I'm like. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. You know, I'm thinking I'm gonna go look that up in the dictionary. <laughs> Did you find it? So yeah, yeah, I'm like, well, it's a viscous it's a it's a viscous fluid. Uh-huh. Um yeah. doesn't have to be a certain color. No. And it's so, got a, it's got an intention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it di- varying astringency. Oh really? You memorized it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm well read. I'm not well read as far as literary yeah. novelists and stuff, uh-huh. but as a child I was an insatiable reader. I mean everything from the thing on the Crest toothpaste tube where sure. Crest was proven to be a preventive dentifrice uh-huh. when using a conscientious program of oral hygiene and regular professional care. Why do you remember so, that? Because I just read so much <laughs> and my brain just <laughs> retains things that I've read. So uh-huh. if it wasn't for that, dude, I mean, two weeks of college, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have anything to talk about on stage. I'd be too stupid. You know, I'd be doing stuff about the coon dogs. One time these coon dogs, you know. So I'm lucky that I read a lot, and it makes me able to communicate yeah, well, to a wider group of people. Well, you so, look great, man. Well, thank you, brother. I, I, man, I feel good, and I'm pumped up, and it's uh, uh, really it's really invigorating to be at this point in my career with this kind of focus and this kind of momentum. Yeah. You know, thank God I'm not brand new. Yeah, you know no, that no, that's the truth, trying to right? get established. No, dude. if you if you have hung on this long and you know who you are and you know what you can do and you've got a good team of people working with you that can kind of figure out where you fit in, it's fucking great. You, yeah, you survived, dude. And, same, I, and same to you. And that's one of the things that I that I love about you, man. I appreciate it, and it's great talking to you, Mark Marin. I love you. Save up. Let You're me, good. All right, we're good. That's our show. Glad we got into that Skinner talk. That's something I don't talk about. That brought me back. And also, I think I fessed up to something that maybe some of you didn't know about me. Yes, I'm a closet Skinner fan. Now we know it's out. I'm out as a Skinner fan. No shame in that. No, sir. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, What else? WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get yourself on the mail. Let's pick up the new Coop Hot Rod t-shirt. Pick up some merch, some mugs or a poster kick in a few shekels get on the mailing list get the app holy shit do whatever you got to do over there pick up some just coffee pow look out i just shit my pants folks it's happening as i speak right now Uh uh-oh boomy come here boomer come here buddy let's do this boomy boomer come on man they're gonna think you don't exist. I want to. Sh- I want you to show off your new meow. God damn it! I'm gonna be at Bonnaroo. Um, I have to take a shower. I just I flew yesterday. It's disgusting. Oh my god! I just want to claw out of me. Coffee's not helping. All right, well I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>